Hello and welcome to the Sheffield Libraries podcast. My guest today is the freelance writer and editor, Catherine Taylor. Catherine writes for The Guardian, New Statesman and various other publications. She's also the editor of The Book of Sheffield, the big city read for 2020 and part of the ongoing Sheffield Year of Reading. In this episode, Catherine shares her personal perspective on our ever-changing city and offers some insight into the process of making the book a reality. Catherine Taylor, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's lovely to have you here. So, Catherine, you are the editor of The Book of Sheffield, which is going to be the Sheffield City Read for 2020. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be handing books out to people. And hopefully we're going to see thousands of people reading this book and enjoying it. Can you tell us a bit more about it? Sure. Well, um, so The Book of Sheffield comprises 10 stories from 10 different writers. And its subtitle is A City in Short Fiction. So it's a book of short stories. And um, the sort of background to the book is that I grew up here in the city and never lost my, you know, roots here or family here. And, you know, I think there's something about growing up in a place that it really becomes part of your identity, whether whether you remain there or not. And um, I, it's just kind of twofold reason, reasons behind the book. Uh, the first one is that Comma Press, who are based in Manchester, who only publish short fiction, which I think is quite a bold move for a small press to not compromise, you know, in their kind of objectives. And uh, they have a series called uh, City Books, uh, an international series. So you might have cities from Istanbul to Tokyo, but also UK cities like Leeds and Birmingham. And I thought, well, why not Sheffield? Um, and uh, at the same time, I was writing and publishing quite a lot of pieces myself about the city. I wrote about the Sheffield, uh, Save Sheffield Trees campaign. Um, I wrote about um, a kind of um, historical piece about my mum's bookshop in Broom Hill, which, which was there in the 70s and 80s. And uh, I wrote another piece about when I um, worked in a, in a cutlery factory as a student. And so all these sort of came together in my mind and Comma were really interested. Uh, but what they perhaps hadn't realised was that Sheffield has a really quite a rich hinterland of writers. I mean, Sheffield's very famous for, you know, its musical output, you know, from Joe Cocker to Pulp to the Arctic Monkeys and, and Human League, which I grew up with. And, um, and so I think they were quite surprised. Perhaps they hadn't thought that there were, you know, the potential for so many writers and stories. So when I compiled the list, um, we, we all put our heads together. There's, there were a lot to choose from. And, uh, and also what I found quite um, moving about it, I've been an editor for, editor for a long time and a commissioning editor for a long time. But when it's a project like this that is very close to your heart, I was surprised by how emotional I felt about it and to see all these different stories which are different perspectives on the city so the brief I gave our writers the writers that we came the 10 writers that we finally came up with which include Helen Mort and Naomi Frisby, Philip Hensher, Tim Etchells, Johnny Pitts, Desiree Reynolds, Carl Reardon um, and Margaret Drabble who is I hope she won't mind saying this, the oldest writer in our collection. She was born in Sheffield on the eve of the Second World War and she turned 80 last year when, when the book was published. So to, to gather all these different perspectives uh, was fascinating and the brief I gave them uh, was really, you've just got to use Sheffield as the touchstone, but you can write on 
any fictional in any fictional way you can write science fiction you can write you know a kind of memoirish piece you could you can write whatever you like so long as and you can set it wherever you like it could be a sheffield past present future or an imagined future yeah so really quite a wide range uh, of topics but what interested me when the story started to come through last summer was that they were very different but they also seemed quite interestingly quite linked and none of these writers had seen what the others were writing or collaborated in any way so i thought that was really interesting in this thematic sense and really got the sense of sheffield and it's it's different facets yeah i think it's a triumph and it it really does capture that that sense of place it sweeps from you know the high moors to park hill to um entertainment in the Don <laughs> valley and then back to i don't know the botanical gardens and everything in between it's quite cinematic and mm. it but it has that thread running through it. it it's it's familiar and it's it's beautifully sheffield thank you i mean i wanted to you say cinematic i wanted i wrote in my introduction that i wanted readers to have that perspective of looking down on the city because of course Sheffield is surrounded by all this you know the amazing Peak District and and it's a city very much in the heart of the countryside if you like and I think I wanted people to see all those different aspects whether you know there are Sheffielders who probably aren't familiar with certain bits of the city that's what's so incredible about it I mean you know I grew up in one place and wasn't very much aware of other places and I think that all comes together in this book and I really hope that there'll be something for everybody in it, you know, and the beauty of it being a short story collection is that you can pick and choose, you can dip into it. And, and um, that's, that's where we, we sort of deliberately laid out the stories so that they, you wouldn't have anything that seemed perhaps to, you know, the initial eye too similar so that you can, you can, you can have, you can, you can, as you say, you can delve into Jeff, Jeff, um, uh, Nicholson's kind of very strange ghost story about the doppelganger father, uh, which takes place, you know, around the Botanical Gardens or the um, map in uh, Western Park, and or you can you can find yourself, you know, as say in a nightclub with Johnny Pitts or in the General Cemetery with Desiree Reynolds. So I think it's yeah, it wasn't really meant to be a tour guide of Sheffield, but it seems in a way it kind of. Yeah, it, I mean, those contrasts are, are definitely there. They're stark. You're right. I mean, the 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 city is one of contrasts, isn't it? But I think the the types of story as well. You you've got the the haunting short stories, and then you've got Helen Mort bringing that sort of poet's eye yeah. to it. They're yeah. very different stories. Very different. Yeah, Helen's story, Weaning, maps the uh, sort of post childbirth body of a woman onto the terrain of the city. So she takes us, you know, she takes us from the, the Rivlin Valley to Hillsborough and, and beyond. It, it, it's beautifully written. It's a gem of a story. And then you have something like Carl Reardon's story, which is completely different because it's set in the, the desperate times of the 80s which is where I was growing up here in in you know in Thatcher's Britain and it's about a pair of petty thieves but it's it's comic but it's surprisingly poignant as well I think and uh, you kind of it's a story you really have to wait for the denouement as well it's kind of yeah for sure and it, that it's all quite timely as well you, you have Margaret Drabble and you've got a story yeah. that fits in with the Me Too movement that was really interesting because uh, Margaret Drabble, um, that was 
I was so pleased to have that commission because Margaret Drabble told me that she wasn't really writing much fiction anymore, if any at all. And um, but she has continued to write about Sheffield in her novels. Sheffield's become it was northern in quite a few of her novels, uh, particularly the novels that she wrote of the late seventies uh, and eighties. And uh, but she always when Sheffield comes up she told me that it always you know triggers something in her and she she wrote this piece she's written about Sheffield before about Sheffield during the second world war in another short story and she's written a, a memoir in which Sheffield appears but this piece the avenue is about a woman going back to the to the city uh an older woman and she's she's reminiscing about her family and about uh, a boy that she knew that uh it didn't work out or she you know, but also she brings us to the Crucible Theatre. As you say, the Me Too movement, she, she sort of melds past and present, or she rather, she looks at the past in the light of the present. And there was a moment when she was an actress on stage where something untoward happened with a man. And she looks back and thinks, well, actually, that wasn't okay. And I think that that's, it's a really skillful way of kind of, you think this story is going to be about one thing, but it actually turns, into another thing and, and the way that she's of course what's why she's one of you know I suppose our best writers is that she has this way of of melding sort of so many different topics into one story um I think yeah, she does it beautifully it, it's yeah it's a cracking story and then Desiree Reynolds Desiree's yeah. story I think has just grown in resonance so Desiree's story is set in, set in the general cemetery and it's about the grave unmarked grave of a hitherto unknown, an unknown African child who uh, died uh, when there was a group of performers who came over I think at the beginning of the 20th century and they lived in a village uh, that was uh, constructed for them. Um, it's, it's really about, again it's a sort of ghost story but it's a story about silence and about historical silence um, and Desiree um, uh, we launched the book last October and Desiree was one of the writers on the panel and it's really about, so it's about somebody going to an archive and trying to find something out. You know, you'll, this will resonate with you from libraries, but also about how not even deliberately kind of obscuring history or the real facts of history or real interpretations of history, but it's about how things get um, brushed away, you know, as if they're not important. The stories and I, we tell choose to remember, I suppose. I suppose so, and it really brings matters to light. And I think in the light of something like the Black Lives Movement that's been having a massive resurgence this summer, yeah. I think it's a really important story about um, about identity and place and history. And I think we really do have to face up to some unpalatable facts about our history, as well as, you know, all the, the positive ones. Yeah, that's a good story. Um, brilliant. So I was going to ask you what you hope people are going to take from the story. I think you've done <laughs> quite a lot. No, there. but I think I do have something to say because I have a very, you know, you have your, where you are in Sheffield, right? Your life. Yeah. And I, I grew up in Sheffield, you know, it's, it's a long time ago now. <laughs> I mean, I'm not ancient, but, um, you know, I was, I was, I was a child in the seventies and I was a teenager in the eighties and um, my Sheffield is my generation Sheffield or the Sheffield that I see through my family but what was amazing about these stories is that I was seeing 
oh my god it's not just my Sheffield that is this it's other, other people's perspectives and other people's so for example Naomi Frisbee's story and Johnny's Pitts's stories are set about 10 years after uh you know after I I was sort of experiencing clubbing in Sheffield or all the rest of it and Naomi's story is really interesting it's a it's a story about a love it's a love story but it's a story about a band and it's told retrospectively so that the beginning obviously comes at the end and it's called The Time Is Now which is based on the the Sheffield based band Morocco Morocco's biggest hit single uh it's a really fascinating story it's got a bit of fairy tale and fantasy at its heart and it's about it's about growing up and breaking up and moving away and uh and then johnny's is entertainment and it's it's a story really about i think it's the eve of the millennium as well you know and it's about this guy who who's outside the kind of student faculty he's not a student he's of the city and he tries to bluff his way into nightclubs and and because he wants to chat up this girl but it's really funny and kind of it's a wry story i love it yeah, uh, like a night out in Sheffield. So I think again, I was thinking, oh, hang on. So life did continue after I left. No, but <laughs> <laughs> and then you have Gregory's story, which we haven't mentioned, which I think brings together many different strands. Gregory Normanton's story, um, which is a story about um, migrants and ecology, and I would say it's called to How to Love What Dies. It's set in a Sheffield of we don't know where it's set. It's fairly dystopian. But it's about a world that, you know, is dealing with wars, civil wars, perhaps, or famine or floods. It feels and, like the near, the possible near future. That's right. I think it's a warning in a way. Yeah. Uh, and and it's it's an ever present story about um, displaced people and uh, and desperation. I think as well as being this incredible story about how i think our planet is dying he's kind of got a lot of things in that story yeah. in a nutshell and i think i also want to say that it's i know that gregory's lived in a city only for about only i say for about five or six years but he he's very passionate about the city and and also city the city has a very strong a reputation and history of welcoming refugees i went to school with someone whose dad came over on the kinder transport for example and mm -hmm. i think this story you know and of course there's so many different aspects of Sheffield now and the positive ones and I think this story really without being explicit I think that's very interesting the man in the story we don't know where he's from we, he's made his home in this city but we don't know where he comes from we don't know what war has driven him there you know and I think that that really yeah there, there are a lot of voices in this book a lot of yeah. individual stories a lot of eyes to look through well, I suppose that's the magic of fiction isn't it it, mm. it allows you to look through someone's else, someone else's eyes and I think with this book we have thousands of people reading it in Sheffield that as you say will live in a certain sort of Sheffield bubble if you like which is quite different to the bubble that someone in the next valley oh, it's might. true I think and also you know I grew up in Sheffield and I I find that you know when you live for example as I do in London, people tend to think that the North is very homogenous, you know, and, and, and I've had this for my <laughs> entire time of living away from the city. It's kind of, it's really important to show, that's what this book does, and I think what the other books in the series do, the kind of character of a city and how it's, every city is different to each 
other. And I also think that, you know, I mean, South Yorkshire, everybody knows that Barnsley and Rotherham are different to each other in different shales. So, but I think what people will take from this book is that they will think about their own stories and their own histories. And um, even though it's fiction, I think I, I work in my own writing with memory and its effects. And I think that um, I hope it will encourage people to sort of think about I think Desiree's story is particularly interesting because it's something that I didn't know about. I've been hanging around that cemetery before it became, you know, refurbished as it were, you know, it's desolate. You know, I used to hang around with my friends and smoke cigarettes and read poetry out loud and be very pretentious. But um, I hope people will think about, you know, some of their stories in their lives that they might want to write about too. Well, we'd love them to do that. We're actually having a writing competition linked to this. Absolutely. So we would definitely encourage people to, to write their own stories or thoughts and, yeah, send them in. Let's just yeah. talk a little bit about the, the editing process and, sure. and how that worked and what, what the brief was and so on. Yeah, so as I said briefly, uh, that I was really amazed how the writers responded uh, to the brief because it was so pretty generalised, you know. And most of the stories we have here are original stories, almost all of them. Philip Henches is the one exception because Philip had very generously agreed to let us have an excerpt from his book, which hadn't, before it was published, his, his novel, A Small Town in Germany, which is, his excerpt is set, you know, this kind of extraordinary and revolutionary kind of left, very, very left-wing revolutionary group uh, around the Park Hill estate. Uh, in the early 80s. I mean, it's, it's a blinding story, I think. And, uh, but it works very well as a story, even if it's an excerpt from book. So I was asking people to just write stories from scratch within a really quite a short, you know, um, window. We had to get the book ready for the Off the Shelf Festival the end of October. It had to be out. It was published that day, the day that we did our launch event. So I mean, <laughs> it was uh, for Comma. It was uh, um, particularly for uh, Sarah Cleave, who's uh, with my editor at Comma, it was, you know, they worked so hard. Uh, but the editing process was, yeah, I, I commissioned um, a particular length of story and gave this wide brief of, yes, you can write about anything, but it's got to reflect on Sheffield and it's got to be a story. Um, and and so that those went out, the deadline's given, the deadline is stretched sometimes, and then the stories come in and what I, I would read through them and they didn't all come at once so I would be reading them individually then then reading them as as a collection and going back and forward with some of the writers uh saying well actually you know what do you mean by this or would does this you know how does this flow here and I don't like to intervene too much in fiction writing because if you for example in terms of dialogue if you change too much you don't you don't get what the writer's trying to say, and it's the writer's voice and the character's voices that have to come out. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty non-interventionist. It's just where it's not clear or I think it's not true to the, how the story is flowing. And, you know, there's such good writers, all of them, that I think, uh, and, then the, and then it goes to editing, back to, back to comma for editing, and then to copy edit, and then... Um, and then the proofs go to the authors. So, you know, that's the final sort of check. And then, and then I wrote my introduction right at the end. So that was the last thing, because of course I had to give the overview of all the stories. So that was a bit of breakneck speed, <laughs> if you like. Um, 
Brilliant. Well, you let's move on. You you're also writing another yeah. book about Sheffield. Would, would you like to talk a bit about yeah, that? Or so, talk about you? Yeah. Sorry, Sheffield. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen the last of me. So yeah, I commissioned and edited this book, but apart from the introduction, I didn't write anything creative on it. Um, I'm writing a book called The Stirrings, and Sheffielders will kind of be aware of what that inference is. So The Stirrings was a grinders union strike in the 1860s. I mean, let's not forget that Sheffield was also the home of the early Chartist movement. One of the you know, it, it's a history of strong resistance and protest, you know, from, from that and from the miners' strike to the Save Sheffield Trees campaign, for example. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not talking about this politically particularly, but um, I grew up at a, a time when Sheffield was really, you know, suffering the long uh, depression and uh, recession uh, in the 70s and 80s. But it... Um, so the stirrings was this grinders union strike and um it was in the 1960s it was turned into a musical called the stones in sheffield on saturday night and when i was a little girl it was revived at the crucible theater and my parents had the soundtrack album and then there was a very i mean sheffield in the 70s didn't have many you know it was totally different the kind of food revolution that's happened in sheffield over the last decade decade or so there was kind of one posh restaurant and it was called the stirrings and it was another another green and it had one of those smoke glass windows that you couldn't see see through and we went there for my sister's wedding lunch and i remember we had something exotic like duck and uh uh and my brother was my i'm um, very much the youngest in my family, my older brother and his best friend were striking cigarettes on the soles of their shoes. And I thought this was the coolest thing ever, striking matches. And um, I think the Stirrings is a suitably ambiguous title for a book because it's really, for me, it's about becoming, you know, but against this backdrop of, you know, quite a lot of upheaval, personal upheaval in my own life and, and just the city changing as well. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, you know, the formative years are incredibly kind of important ones. So uh, that's really what I'm writing about. Yeah, and that's why that's I chose it. the title. Well, I look forward to reading it. And when, when, why? Well, I'm still working on it. Yeah. So they've been working on it for a while. So I'll let you know when. Something to yeah. look forward. Well, let's get you back once it's, once it's published and we'll talk <laughs> okay. some more about it. Um, do you, I mean, you must have your favourite places in the city from growing up and when you, you come back now. Yeah, I mean, um, Ranmore is where we first lived. So I used to, God, I hope it's still there. There's a general that runs down near the bull's head. So I used yeah. to run down there. There would be these sweet shops on the parade and, uh, you know, there's old-fashioned sweet shop and I used to run down there and get my fizz bombs. Uh, <laughs> that's why I've got so many feelings. Um, the Botanical Gardens, I was so pleased to see it feature in a story uh, because I just used, I used to hang out there a lot and, you know, it's, the, it's changed a lot. I'm so glad that the National Lottery put some money into it. Yeah. So they repaired the glass houses and it really is still as magical as I remember it. Yeah. Fort Dam, uh, my dad used to take me there, the big slide. Uh, so I still, I love that walk out through Encliffe Park, Bingham Park and into Whiteley Woods. You know, yeah. that was the place, those were the places that I used to escape to as a teenager and they're still the places I'm really fond of. And, you know, there are places also that I miss, like the hole in the road. It's, you know, the places that have gone or the fountain at Fargate. 
I think that is immortalised in, in Pulp's Disco 2000. I hope it's that fact yeah. that Jarvis Cocker refers to in the lyrics. But yeah, there's, uh, yeah, and, and you know, there's a lot of places. And I think Sheffield to me has changed a lot, but it's also very unchanging. I think when you go back to somewhere that you're from, your footsteps kind of follow the paths that your brain doesn't connect to. It's an automatic remembering you know i could be standing at a bus stop in pinstone street waiting for the 88 bus that hasn't stopped there for years because <laughs> it's the bus stops move but i think it's interesting isn't it that we have those kind of yeah oh the yeah. methodist tour where i did my speech and drama exams which i hated but that's still there you know there's still a place <laughs> brilliant well it's been a real pleasure talking thank to you. Thank you as well. Thank you so much. And I really hope that um, so many people will pick up the book and, and uh, have a good read of it. My guest today was Catherine Taylor, editor of the Book of Sheffield. Over the coming weeks, we'll be giving away thousands of free copies of the book, as well as running a series of related events, including online author interviews and creative workshops. To learn more about the City Read and how to get your copy, visit our blog at cheflibraries.blogspot.com. You've been listening to the Sheffield Libraries podcast, the new place to hear authors discuss their work and to explore stories, both fact and fiction, that we think deserve to be shared. I hope you'll join us again. <laughs>